Matt Mertz Plumbing giving you the 5 o'clock hour of the Mark Madden Show. Count on a name you can trust. Matt Mertz Plumbing. Earlier today at Trib Live, I posted a podcast with sporting news writer, former Pittsburgh Press alum and Point Park University alum Mike DeCourcy. He was the one guy nationally who I saw come out boldly and say, you know what? This helmet rule, I like it. Everybody else until Stan called the show hates it. Here's Mike's defense of it here on 105.9 The X. Hates it. Here's Mike's defense of it here on 105.9 The X. From the sporting news, it's a man who's leading a one-man crusade to bring us kicking and screaming into agreement with the NFL helmet rules. It's Mike DeCourcy. Mike, great to talk to you again. Well, it does feel a little bit uh, solitary, but I know that the, the people who are on the competition committee uh, definitely agree with me, and I, I believe that includes uh, one Mike Tomlin. And uh, the, the, the idea that this is bad for the game or uh, going to end football as we know it is just it's it's overblown uh there have been some bad calls and there hasn't been enough enforcement of this rule against the offense without a doubt but uh, the idea that they're trying to turn nfl football into uh flag football or whatever is ridiculous that might be hyperbole, Mike, but they're closer than I think a lot of us ever felt they would be. And I'm not a huge fan of where do they stop thinking, but I'm getting there with this. I mean, when you look at stuff that has gotten the refs spooked into throwing flags, flags that they're not going to pick up once they're thrown, where do they stop with what's a legal versus an illegal hit? Well, I think it begins with what do you do with your helmet? And, and in doing the column that I wrote about this in support of the rule and against the overreaction to it, remember, we got overreaction after the first exhibition game, after the Hall of Fame game. Uh, what, what I, what I went back and I watched the Steelers of the 70s, the Steelers I grew up with. Not everybody, you know, all, the, all Pittsburgh Steelers fans have those gentlemen as their legacy, but not all actually got to experience it as they grew up but I did and I didn't remember guys throwing their helmets around and so I went back and I watched some some highlight tape and some film and they didn't I mean I watched nine minutes of highlights of Donnie Shell and I, I, I did that because I was looking for the Campbell hit the, the infamous hit famous hit famous on on the Pittsburgh side of, of Errol Campbell that everybody remembers so well he didn't use his helmet I mean it, it, it isn't necessary to use your helmet to be a physical dominant football player, Jack Lambert. I mean, I'm not saying he never got his helmet involved. I mean, sometimes it's going to be inevitable. Um, but he didn't lead with his helmet. He didn't throw his head out there like that. It, it's a recent, a relatively recent uh, innovation. Uh, it has not been good for anybody playing. It has not been good for the sport. And it's certainly easy enough to take out of it. If you don't, if you lower your, of course you're going to lower the level of your head when you lower your shoulder to make a tackle. But if your head is up looking at the target, you are not going to get flagged. And if you do, then it's on the official. It's not on you. And the official should be paying for that uh, in whatever price he or she pays uh, in 
the same way that the, the official who made the horrible call against John Bostic in the in the Green Bay exhibition. I think I think you mean Cody Sensiball, right? No, the call against John Bostic. He had a great play, a great pass break up 25, 30 yards downfield. They called pass interference. Oh, okay. I it thought it wasn't okay. a headshot. Uh, it, but it was it was a it was a great play that he made, and it wasn't pass interference, but it was called pass interference. It was a blown call, just as the call. Uh, you know, the call that in the Vikings game the other night, when the offensive player lowered his head and the defensive player reacted by lowering his, and 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 the defensive player gets the call, that's a blown call. I think that's the problem, though, is that when you've got the refs so ready to throw flags, they're anticipating. I think they anticipated on that Burnett Sensabaugh play. I think they anticipated on that Jacksonville-Minnesota play that you talked about before. And I think that's where the problem comes in, is that there's still an anticipation that the defender is going to come and hurt the player with the ball more so than the other way around, and they're throwing flags, and they're ill-equipped, the refs are, to make those calls in a split-second judgment. Heck, the players... I don't think they're... Why are they any less equipped to make that call in a split-second judgment than pass interference? I don't. Well, that's part of the problem. I, I don't. I think we're putting way too much faith in officials that don't aren't good enough at their jobs. To be honest with you, they're overwhelmed already. Now we're asking them to do this. Well, I, I mean, if you have to take something else away so that you can make the game safer for the players, I'm fine with that. Whatever it is. You well, well what's that border though? Like, what, what's that border of? Ma- I know we want to make the game safer, but how how safe can we make it when it's 250 against 275 over the middle? Well, you can take a hit out of the out of the play that is likely to leave one or both of the of the uh, uh, those involved with a concussion, or or potentially could do that, as well as the the, the horror of what we in Pittsburgh, you know, we Pittsburghers saw um, with with Ryan Shazier. I mean, that's that 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 using your head as a you know as as the point of contact, it you know puts you at jeopardy as well. And you said a lot there, so I want to go back and, and kind of parse through some of the points that you brought up. The first of which was, like you said, with the officials, then the officials should be held to the same standard of accountability that the players do. The issue is holding the officials to the same standard comes after the game. There's nothing you can do after the game. If there's a 15-yard penalty against the player, well, then you move the ball, you move the chains, the ball stays in the hands of the offensive teams. In a lot of cases, if these are 3rd and 15 or 3rd and 17 plays... So, you know, their punishment doesn't really impact the outcome of the game as the penalty itself does. So holding the officials to a standard of accountability doesn't equate to keeping the game safe from being tainted by poor calls when we're asking them to call more things. But as I said, the that's true relative to the Bostic pass interference call. I mean, now that game obviously didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but it will. But that, it will in September. But, but, but but that, but that play, kept, that call kept alive a draft that was about to end, that resulted in a Green Bay touchdown. And if the game had mattered, it would have been just as consequential, if not more so, than anything any other bad call that happened. Because it gave, it gifted Green Bay with, I think, about twenty-five to thirty yards of field position. It kept alive a drive that was dead, and and it and it did so even though it wasn't a pass interference. Um, you know, face guarding is 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 not. You know, an issue, and he wasn't in the in the player's face anyway. He just had didn't happen to be turned to the ball, but he was on the spot and the play, and he and he and he was in and he was in the player's way. That was not a legit pass interference call. It was called. It was a mistake. 
it impacted that game, and and we moved on. I and mean, just as you know, there was no there was no real evidence that uh, that Jesse James had uh, had let go of the football. It spun in his hands, but that didn't mean he ever pulled the the right hand from under it. But that's what they called. So the and that obviously had a huge impact. I don't think I don't of all the things that that you can call that can impact the game and you can call correctly or incorrectly. I'd rather want I'd rather one of them be trying to keep the players and the game safe. But how do you lower your shoulder like Burnett and Sensabaugh did when they went shoulder to torso? And that was the end result of the play. That you remember last year, or when it comes to helmet to helmet, we were told to take intent out of it, right? It doesn't matter if you intended to hit somebody in the helmet with your helmet. If you did it, it was a flag. So doesn't isn't that a two way street? Those guys lowered their helmets to put their shoulders into the torso of Mercedes Lewis, right? And that's what happened. That was the point of contact, and one of them got a flag. I would argue. I would argue that uh, that I, that Sensabaugh had no business being called. I thought, I, in what I saw, I thought that Burnett could have been called for lowering his helmet uh, to initiate contact, uh, but they didn't. So I, whether or not they got the play the the player wrong, the number wrong on the field, or or what, I don't know, and I have not had that clarified from anybody. Um, that it, it it it's not it's not apparent whether or not uh, it is clear Sensabaugh did not commit any penalty there and if and if the official is insisting that that was the player even after the game or whatever that that was the player who committed the penalty then he got it dead wrong well he's wrong um, because he's spooked and he doesn't want to get busted for not throwing a flag so they're throwing stuff and I think this is the other call that happened in the Jacksonville Minnesota game Mike which was the quarterback one uh, you know, putting well, too much I mean, of your weight on the that quarterback. That had nothing to do with the helmet. Well, that no, was no a, but it's in the same spirit. Similar to the silly call that went against um, Jason Worlds a few years ago in the Atlanta game when they said, well, he threw his whole body weight on him. At least in the Worlds game, they had something of an argument. The Worlds sack, they had something of an argument. But, I mean, he did hit him straight on. That There was no else for him to put his body. But in this case, the guy didn't even do that. He hit him on his. He hit him on the side, and they still called that. So it was just a brutal call, and again, it didn't have anything to do with either player's helmet. But they're making the brutal calls because they're told to make them and err on the side of caution. Now they're erring too far. Well, I, I you know, I, I think that you're assuming that they're told that you know that they're making that call for that reason. It could just be that he's not a good ref. I mean, <laughs> uh, this is again, it goes back to the Bostic call. I mean, and and I'm I mean I know I'm harping on that one, but that one's one that stuck out to me, and it was pretty consequential. Um, that, that that it was really a bad call, but no one is saying, "Well, gosh, you know, this is the end of football as we know it," because they don't even know what pass interference looks like. Well, wouldn't you agree with me though that there is an inherent bias on the part of officials, and frankly, anyone who's watching the game that you know, in the case of Lewis or any other pass catcher is going, or even a ball carrier, a running back that they are going to lower and brace for contact. So if they are doing that, they are doing so in self-defense. So they are less likely to be flagged for lowering the head. Whereas, uh, like for instance, we talked about before, Sensabaugh and Burnett are turning into someone. uh, They are also bracing. But the thinking is the applying of the hit, the defensive player applying the hit, he's the one that's more likely to be at fault. Like for instance, haven't 80% of these flags already gone against the defense in the preseason? I haven't. I, I can say that I don't know the stat on that. But I have not seen one go against the offense. Yeah, and not, that's a problem for me. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. I, I, I think that it, it, those who want to criticize this because it's not been complete enough or balanced enough, 
I'm totally with that. And and the the uh, Jacksonville Vikings play is the perfect example uh, because when someone initially pointed out to me, um, I looked at it and I said, oh, no, no, he I mean he dropped his head. The defender dropped his head right into it. And then someone else came, you know. And so I didn't even look at the offensive player on the initial view. I, I just looked at where was the head position of the defensive player and how he applied it. But then when someone said, well, what about the offensive guy? I went back and looked at it, and the offensive player in that circumstance puts his head directly down and 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 exerts to try to put it into the chest of the defender. Well, I mean that's not a fair that's not a fair confrontation for the defender. If the defender is not allowed to defend himself in that circumstance by putting his helmet down, then it's got to be a penalty on the offense because if if the offensive player is allowed to go through with that movement, he can put his helmet into the chest of the opponent, roll through him, make that player unable to do his job, and then move on for a longer gain or perhaps even a touchdown. So that's not a fair standard. It has to go both ways. The offensive player is sometimes going to put his head down to lean forward into space for an extra yard or whatever. If there's no offensive, excuse me, if there's no defensive player there in that space that he's lunging into, that's not a foul. You can't foul the air. And you can't say, well, because he was putting his head down uh, and I'm coming in from the side, well, you know, his head's now in my striking zone. No, because if your head's up, you don't hit his head. So that's another reason this rule is good. But it's only good if it's officiated properly. Mike DeCorsi with us from the Sporting News. Yeah, and I think that's where we have a real disconnect is I think it's hard to assume that it's going to be officiated properly if you are so much pressing on the refs to call it more often. But, you know, what? here's an example that I'll give you. Like, Do you remember the FC Championship game last year when Gronkowski got hit by uh, Barry Church of the Jacksonville Jaguars and went helmet to chin, that big pass interference call? Right. If Sensabaugh or, you know, in the case of Lewis, if he were to move over to the other side to Burnett, if those guys don't move their heads down, because I don't know how you move your shoulder that far down without moving your head down, if they keep their helmet up, they go helmet to chin just like Barry Church did. And then it's a 15-yarder for helmet to helmet. How do you avoid that? Well, that's a great question, and that's something that they have to make sure that they that they have uh, adjusted for. Uh, in that case, I mean, it should be it still should be shoulder to chin and again that that becomes a question of no okay wait you asked me to hit me hit him with his shoulder and i did and he moved his head into my space where i was hitting with the shoulder so how am i supposed to avoid yeah it? right exactly that's when it, but see that's when they, that's that, that's something that they've already been dealing with that's not you know that's yeah that's that's, that's where i was going with. i thought i thought it was too hard to adjudicate before and now they're adding this extra layer to it I think it's easier, though, because if the player keeps his head up, he'll have fewer of those those collisions. If he knows where his head is going, exactly where his head is going, because he sees it at all times, he's likely to have fewer of those collisions rather than he puts his head down and it just goes where it goes. He can't tell. It's the top of his head. He doesn't have eyes up there. Well, Mike, when do we get to the point, again, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News joining us, when do we get to the point where the defensive players just say, screw it, and they go leg diving? Well, you know, you can do that, but it's a question of whether or not um, you can complete the play that way. I mean, guys have strong legs now, stronger than maybe they were in Lambert's day. Um, but they, you know, so that's a, you know, that's something. That if, if you want to go down there for that, and you've got to risk the possibility he'll step out of your out of your uh, out of your grasp. But it, it, you know, I, I look. It's not like uh, Lady on Bell didn't get his knee blown up 
um, in 2014 uh, on a hit just like you're describing. So it's not like it'd be new to the game. It, it's, you know, I mean, guys guys have done that for years. No, they just don't sue over ACLs. You know, there's there's no hidden data on ACLs like there were concussions. And that's, you know, that's the part that really irritates me about this whole conversation is you got the one hand, the players complaining uh, that they are being too withheld from being able to hit properly or in their minds properly, at least effectively, to get a player down. And then you've got the owners who are doing this after the fact because they got busted for hiding the concussion data back in the 80s and 90s. So both sides are complaining over the results of things that happened before, but uh, they're, they're both equally a part of it, if you know what I mean. The players brought the lawsuits, and the owners are the ones who, you know, hid the data. Right. Well, so... You know, I mean, the players are not going to want to, you know, give up the uh, possibility of health in their later years, and you know, and and if and if it if it health fails or they have some issues, uh, they're not going to say, well, we're not going to sue because we we said we didn't we we didn't want that helmet rule. I mean, this is to protect them. This is to protect the future of the game. And it's, I, you know, I, I'm just blown away by how many people think you need to have helmet hits in order for the game to be physical. As I said, Jack Lambert and Donnie Shell very rarely used their helmets, and yet they were still lauded for their physicality, uh, in, you know, uh, immortalized for their physicality. Uh, and, and, and yet, you know, here we are 40 years later, we're saying that if you don't hit with your helmet, it's a soft game. I just don't see how that adds up. Were they lowering their helmet to get to their shoulder pad to use their shoulder pad to make the tackle, though? Look, your helmet is going with your your head's going with your shoulder. But again, if your eye is on the target, then you're not going to lead with the top of your head. But if your, your head, head is up, but like Barry Church, if your head is up, then you might catch him in the chin, whether you mean to or not, and then that's a penalty. Well, that, again, it depends on how that goes down. I mean, I I don't have that really well remembered. Uh, it, because it, maybe maybe I, I memorize the Steelers plays not so much the Jaguars plays, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I so I but it, again if you look at it you can hit you can make that hit if you see the player the the and and, and I'm not doing you know I, I got yelled at by people say well you didn't play and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and I don't think my eighth grade as Elizabeth Ford High qualifies me for that. Well, don't say yourself short. Plays I got in for. But what I'm saying is that you know we have. It's not me saying it. It's you know it's a it's two, three, five generations of football players that played before they started throwing their helmets into the deal. Do you think that perhaps they regret how much the NFL has tried to overcompensate, though? That the genie came out of the bottle, so to speak. You know, I don't. I don't think so because I think that what happened is the players were encouraged by their coaches over over time to use their helmets as a weapon, and it's not been good for anybody. It's it's not been good for the game. It's not been good for the players. Uh, it's not been good for the future of the game. But, but, you know, with with families and parents saying, "My kid's not playing football," that kind of stuff. That can't be good for the game. Uh, and so I, you know, I, again, go back to playing with your shoulders and your arms and not with your helmet and, and we'll be fine. I mean, if, if, if we score more points that way, it's not going to kill us. Who do you see adjusting better first? The officials or the players? Uh, you know, I think the players probably because the officials don't seem to be at all willing 
to adjudicate this in regard to the offense. I mean, I haven't seen any willingness at all to do that. Uh, so uh, until that happens, the rule is going to be imbalanced and it's not going to be legitimately fair for the players. Um, I think that you'll see fewer of these penalties called once we get into the regular season, in part because the players do it less and in part because the, the ref let more go. Uh, it, you know, it's exhibition season for a reason. Everybody's trying to feel their way through this. And that's part of the reason why I said not to, in my column, not to overreact. Uh, because this will work itself out. That's Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden today, and now you've heard him, you've heard Stan, and I'm wondering if anybody's mind has changed. I am still fervently against this helmet rule. I appreciate the opinions of both Stan and Mike, but I'm not budging. I think it sucks. How about you? 412-333-9939. You know, the thing that I said to Stan and then, I'll amplify here after the interview with Mike is I don't draw the equation between I need to have my thirst for violence quenched and this helmet rule. It's not that I need my thirst for violence quenched with illegal helmet hits. I don't need that. I need to see legal hits allowed. I need to see unavoidable helmet contact allowed. That's what I need. And that's what these rules are preventing because I think the refs are so inclined to throw the flags, they're not using their eyes, they're using their heads. And their heads are telling me, if I don't throw this flag, I'm screwed. 412-333-9939. We get your reaction next when we come back on 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, great show as always. When you got a young trophy wife, owes money to... I can't even quote the Big Lebowski right. Goodbye. The X at 105.9. Some more details emerging about the Richie Incognito incident. Apparently, he went bonkers at the funeral home for his father to the degree that he, A, was incoherent and emotional, B, asked the funeral home to cut his dad's head off for research purposes, C, started punching caskets, and D, started throwing things. Interestingly enough, I did three of those four things during the DeCourcy interview where he tried to back up the helmet rule. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. This is 105.9 The X. We are brought to you by Chipino Restaurant and Cigar Bar, the best seafood and chop house located in the Strip. All right, let's get to the reaction from people who wanted to follow up on what Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News had to say. Uh, he and Stan Saverin both okay with the helmet rule. And like I keep saying, there are two things that I want to explain to me. How much safer can they possibly make football? That's number one. And two... How are they supposed to do the two things they are being asked to do on defense One right now? Which is one, never touch helmet to helmet. And number two, lower your helmet so you never touch helmet to helmet. How are you supposed to do both? How are you supposed to be able to avoid a helmet at all costs but never be able to lower your helmet? That's just intellectually inconsistent. It doesn't make any sense. That's why Burnett and Sensabaugh got flagged, at least one of the two of them, for the hit on Mercedes Lewis. If they keep their heads up on that play, then they get flagged for helmet to helmet. They lower the helmet, they get flagged for lowering their helmet. It's stupid. Let's go to Michael, who got in first from the North Hills. Hi, Michael. How you doing, man? I, number one, I can't believe you're perpetuating this. Like, as, as long as you keep talking about it, it it's retarded. It's It's stupid to keep talking. 
talking about it. Okay, then tell me why it's stupid and retarded to keep talking about because so far I'm thinking your call is more than anything else. But go ahead. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, no problem. Really nice. I, I'll, I'll demean you and talk down to you if you're going to try to do it to me. But you tell me why you think it's stupid to t- keep talking about it when we've seen this many penalties thus far in the preseason. And many of them missed blatantly. Blatantly. I, I agree with you 100%. Now, here, here's the thing. We grew up with football. We we tackled people. We we did everything we could to tackle people. Like this is just a non-plux thing. A non-plux thing. Is that like a chicken that gets away with all of its feathers? It's been non-pluxed. Let's go to Phil in Coriopolis. You're on 105.9 The X. Be better, Phil. Yeah, I I'm not real sure what he was talking about. I don't know if you'd be worse, but go ahead. Be better. <laughs> uh, so, so my my thing is, look, I, I played football in the early nineties to the two two thousand in high school, um, and I I've coached from two thousand and two to present. Now, when I played, I was I was taught to put my shoulder at somebody and tackle through them, and we've been to coaching clinics, uh, things like that, um, and now they're teaching kids at an early age. To put their face mask, the chest of the of, of the offensive player, and drive through them, and I think that's where the problem is. I think it's right because if you put your face mask into the chest of the offensive player and have your head up, and that offensive player, a la Barry Church and Rob Gronkowski, if a taller player has the ball in his hands and he's bringing it down, and he lowers his head into your head, then you're the one that gets flagged. And that's unavoidable. See, like, there's a difference, and thank you, Phil, there's a big difference between trying to improve technique and still whistling the unavoidable call. And and that's been my gripe the whole way, is that they've made it, how do I want to say this, 100% the onus is on the player to avoid the contact. But when the contact is unavoidable, even though you're trying to do the right thing, some gray area has to be interpreted there by the referees, and they're not allowing the refs to do it, so they're getting the flags out of their pockets on every possible occasion. Therein lies the dilemma. 412-333-9939. Dan is calling from 28 on the helmet rule. Go ahead, Dan. Hey, Tim, thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Um, so I never played football, but I watch it religiously. And, you know, this rule that the NFL made was to CYA, I think. So, well, there's no doubt that's what they did. And then, you know, you look at the game and how fast it's played, you're going to have injuries. Those are unavoidable. That play with Will and the helmet, that's never going away. So what you're going to have is a game that comes down to it, maybe in week one, week two, and someone chucks a bomb, Someone gets hit in the head. You got first and 10 at the opponent's 15. You kick a field goal and you win. Yeah, it's going to inf- it's going to impact and negatively affect games on the most hairline of a play where the defensive player was trying to do the right thing. And that's where, you know, I get frustrated with anybody who tries to defend the helmet penalty the way that it's written right now is that there's no slippage or room for interpretation on behalf of the officials to take into account that the player was trying to do the right thing and preserve his own health and the health of the other player. That's what Sensabaugh tried to do. And within the letter of the law, I guess, 
the flag had to come out of the pocket of the official. I guess, even though Sensiball was trying to do the right thing. That's what I'm talking about. The two rules, the old helmet rule, and now the lowering of the head rule intersect in a place where at some point it's impossible for the defender to do neither without just running away from the play. Let's go to Matt in Greensburg. Hi, Matt. You're on 105.9 The X. Yeah, I just wanted to say, and I hate to make this comparison, but I have a highly stressful job in my company. There's other less stressful jobs that I could take, and I would li- I would have a higher life expectancy for sure. But I choose that for a better income. These guys get paid enough money. They understand the rules. They understand the risk that they're taking. So let's just let football be. No, it's a good point, Matt. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It's a good point. What they should have done is spent more of their time and effort legally constructing some sort of way for the players to not allow them to to, to, uh, avoid having the players sue after their playing careers are over. Correct. You know, I feel like they're trying to put toothpaste back in the tube where the more proper angle to go is, if we're really trying to be legalese about this, how do we avoid the future lawsuits from a prevention standpoint of not even allowing it to get into court? That's exactly exactly what I was trying to say. You just summed it up. Thank you, Matt. 412-333-9939. Brett, Dennis, Darren, we'll try to get to your calls before the top of the hour as well. More reaction what you heard from Mike DeCourcy and Stan Saverin, two guys at the head of more helmet rules. Yuck. And we'll see what other crazy stuff comes out from Richie Incognito. Richie Incognito is, is, is so incredible to cover right now, it's taking my attention away from the Trump stuff. I saw a great tweet that was out there. What happens with Space Force? Starkey just tweeted that out. What's, what's going to happen with Space Force? Eli Rogers is going to take it over. I think that much is obvious. 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Doing really well. Everything I hear from him is just some of the most insightful stuff. And did you take off your pants? The X at 105.9. I guarantee you I know our lead story is tomorrow. It's whatever Trump is going to say about the NFL and the anthem. Because I will bet you every dollar in Bob's wallet right now that this rally in West Virginia, that's all he talks about is the NFL anthem stuff. After the Cohen news today, I mean, it's his go-to. It's his. This is like when Ben has a third and two from inside the forty. It's automatically I'm checking to Martavis or Antonio down the sideline. That's the way it's been it for years. This is his game plan. This is his audible at the line of scrimmage right here, right here. We will be talking about what he says about the NFL and the anthem tomorrow at three o one. Either that or we'll talk about Richie Incognito cutting his dad's head off, one or the other. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be interested in that. Uh, the other bit of news during the commercial break, the lineup is out for the Pirates finally tonight, and there's no Starling Marte in it. Is this because of injury or further discipline or what? We really don't know as of yet. 412-333-9939. Again, Starling Marte held out due to a booing injury. His feelings were hurt by you dirty fans out there booing him for not running hard. Let's go to Alex, who's calling from the Liberty Tunnel, which I assume he then won't be able to hear us if he's in the Liberty Tunnel. Alex, you're on 105.9 The X. Yeah, hi, Tim. Oh, we got you. Go ahead. About the, yeah, through the tunnel now. All right. I was calling about the helmet rule. I really think that it's, it's a conflicting idea. Because you have these players that are in a full sprint, and when you're sprinting, your body's leaning forward. And you, you can't tell them to... to to not lead with their heads, and especially these guys that are they're six foot five and you know Gronkowski's like two hundred and seventy pounds. 
mean, it's it's just uh, it's conflicting conflicting ideas to me. Yeah, and that's a huge part of it. Like to the previous caller's point before the commercial. Thanks, Alex. That when you have the receivers are all six foot five and two hundred or what two hundred twenty two hundred sixty five pounds. If you're talking about the difference between a receiver and a tight end, when they extend up to catch a ball and they come down, you're either to get penalized for lowering your head to avoid it, or you're going to be penalized for keeping your head up and whacking them in the chin. There's no, you can't have one or the other. Let me take that back. You will have one or the other. You can't avoid both. You're going to have illegal helmet to helmet contact, or you're going to have lowering the helmet in an effort to avoid. Which one do you want? Let's go to Quint, who's calling from the Orca. Quint, you're going to need a bigger boat. You all know me. You know I make a living. What, what's calling up, Quinn? About, calling about the, the helmet rule. Don't you think it's a, a way for the league to move to get the players' union to vote on it so therefore they can go back and indemnify themselves against these future claims against head injuries so they gum up the works enough on play that the players' union concedes the rule in future li- liability. Yeah, that's, that, that's a decent thought. That's a decent thought, and thank you. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that's where they are at right now in their thinking. I don't know exactly how that works in CBA law as opposed to courtroom law thereafter. I'm not legally grounded enough to make a determination there, but I get your thought process. It makes sense. The problem is at some point or other for the league, you are eventually going to get to a crisis point, though. And uh, the crisis point in that, in, in an effort to do that, you might be sacrificing a season. You might be sacrificing an AFC championship game. You might be sacrificing a Super Bowl. You might be sacrificing a regular season game as important as last year's with Jesse James and the catch roll. So if you're willing to do that to get to the point that you're talking about, hey, these are NFL owners. They think more big picture than you and I as Steeler fans still being mad about Jesse James. So you might be onto something there. Uh, let me see here. Ravens quarterback Jimmy Smith has been suspended four games without pay for violating the NFL's personal conduct rules. The Steelers host Baltimore week four. So another suspension being handed down aside from Eli Rogers for one game. Brett in Elwood City. Hi, Brett. Brett, are you with us? Yes, sir. How are you? Go ahead, Brett. Um, I, I, I may be just a few minutes late on the call because Mac kind of echoed my sentiment but football has always been a gladiator sport i work in an industry where i know every day that i go out i may fall off of a ladder or slip off of a roof but i still do it because it's a paycheck um years ago uh what do you do by the way i'm a i'm a contractor i'm a general contractor oh i thought you were gonna say you're a gigolo uh, no. I didn't know what kind of stuff you were into, that's I, all. I, I would be I would do it for half the money I get paid now to be a gigolo, but that's beside the point. These Ooh. guys get paid a ton of money, but they know the risk before they buckle a chit strap. They know. That well, they do, yes. You're, I, I get your point, Brett, and like you said, you are kind of referencing back to what somebody else also said, so I'm going to let you go. But um, they know that now the players sued before over information being withheld. It's not the same premise of what a lawsuit would be at this point, but the can of worms is open and the NFL looks bad in the public eye in that regard. So this is optics as much as it is 
anything else. It's also optics from the standpoint of since grassroots football is suffering so badly, they want to make it look like they're doing whatever they can for trickle-down to make the game safer so they can keep getting good athletes through the pipeline as opposed to those who don't want to play football anymore. Matt and Latrobe. Hi, Matt. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. Uh, actually, I was just going to touch upon a point that uh, a lot of callers already addressed, uh, the legal standpoint of it. The NFL has already painted themselves into a corner for pass claims. They can't admit uh, you know, that the NFL is a dangerous sport because they've worked so hard to deny that in the past. Uh, so it almost seems as if they're trying to put it into the players' court now where they're, I don't want to say sabotaging the game, but uh, in a sense, doing exactly that to put it into their court to, to try and get them to say Yeah, you know, I don't feel bad for anybody here, Matt. Uh, thank you. I, I feel bad for no one. I, I don't feel bad for the owners for being in this situation because a lot of them or either or their, their parents uh, who owned the teams before them uh, were part of what happened with the concussion cover-up. So I don't feel bad about what they're going through now because they got themselves this situation. And I don't feel bad for the players because players before them, in a lot of cases, knew what they were getting into, jumped on the lawsuits at the end anyway, tried to get a piece of theirs, and now they're leaving a mess for current players who are trying to make a living in the game. So I feel bad for no one. I feel bad for the fans, actually. And, and to a degree, honestly, I feel bad for the refs because they don't want to make these calls, and they're being forced to. We have time for one more here? One more. Let's go to uh, Sean on the road. Hi, Sean. Hey, Tim. How are you? Just a quick uh, comment on the on the spearing penalty. I think if you look at it, I think a lot of these calls have been actually called pretty correct. I mean, if you there's there's been some bad calls, but if you look, a lot of these the the hits the players are looking at the ground. They're leading with the crown of the helmet. You don't see a face mask. You know, the front of their face making contact first they no you're right i mean and at least like for instance the, the the ones that started the ball rolling in the hall of fame game at least one or two of those uh well actually there's two of them in the game i think both of them you can make a case for the penalty being right the issue comes in sean though insofar as the refs then feel obliged to just throw the flag on anything in case they are right not because they think they're right in case they are right and that's the problem that we have that's the problem that we've seen 412-333-9939. I keep the number nine for tomorrow's show, but we, we got to go. When I hear tool in the background, that means it's time for me to leave. Uh, tomorrow on the program, we hope to have Andy Benoit on to tell us how the Steelers are going to get to the Super Bowl, how they're going to beat the Patriots, how they're going to play the Falcons in the Super Bowl, and how somehow the game is only going to be 27-24. Also, Dayan Kovacevic will join us, and uh, I believe Jerry DePaulo is going to join us too. We'll see from... Uh, PNC Park to find out if Starling Marte is going to play or what's going on there. That'll be a major talking point tomorrow. Here's I continue to sit in for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X.